With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there. Welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me. Uh, appreciate you, as always. So, first of all, um, amazing show lined up today. Sam Husseini is going to be here. He is, I'm fangirling a little bit. He's an incredible independent journalist. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, uh, multiple things, several different things, but mostly Israel-Palestine. Uh, he's been doing great work there. Also, it's my mom's birthday. So happy birthday to my mom. Um, I told her I would say that and she will kill me if I don't. So <laughs> there it is. Job done. Um, okay. So obviously Henry Kissinger's dead. I'm not going to ramble on too much about it. Uh, I promise that when he did finally die, he lived way longer than he deserved to. But um, I took a shot for Anthony Bourdain last night. Um, you know, one last war criminal on planet earth. Unfortunately, there's still plenty left to take his place. Um, okay. A uh, couple quick things that I wanted to point out to you. First of all, Tucker Carlson was recently on Roseanne's podcast and she posted a clip on her Twitter um, and they talked about his visit, his recent visit to Julian Assange. So I haven't had a chance to check it out in its entirety yet. Um, I do know that uh, the, from the clip that she posted, they talked about um, uh, the plot to assassinate him, Mike Pompeo's plot to assassinate him. It looks like Trump, uh, or I'm sorry, Tucker is trying to give uh, Trump the out there though. And he's trying to put full blame on just Mike Pompeo and not give any responsibility to Donald Trump. I think that's uh, a mistake and wholly inaccurate. I think that Donald Trump was the president of the United States and he had full and complete control, uh, or at least he had for, full and complete uh, word. Like he he could at least express his opinion. Um, and it was under Donald J. Trump that Julian Assange was arrested. It was under Donald J. Trump that he was spied on in the Ecuadorian embassy. And it was under Donald J. Trump that the plots to assassinate him were drawn up. Um, and and then he failed to pardon him. So uh, I desperately wish that people would stop trying to give him an out, stop trying to make excuses for him. Uh, it was under his presidency that all of those things happened. That's just reality. I'm sorry, Trump supporters, but that is just reality. Um, okay. Also, um, I wanted to talk about, there's the, okay, couple, a couple quick stories. One of them is uh, apparently the quote unquote left. And I say that very loosely because I don't even know what that word means anymore. Um, but there's an attempt now to cancel a nine-year-old boy who went to a football game and dressed up like a Kansas City chief, like the whole chief thing, the black and red on the uh, face paint on the face, um, the headdress, all of that stuff. And listen, uh, if you want to complain because you think that the chief's mascot is racist, or if you want to do any of that stuff, fine, have at it. Have those conversations they've already um changed my cleveland indians to the cleveland guardians um i don't care like i don't care I, that, that's fine if you want to have that conversation you want to have that debate you want to get the the mascot and the name of the team changed that's fine go do that but trying to cancel a nine-year-old boy for dressing up like his favorite football team's mascot is ridiculous it is ridiculous and that is what that's what they're trying to do um i think it started off with deadspin um and there's been this whole online campaign now where um it's just so silly to watch it play out so let's not cancel nine-year-old boys for showing up to um sporting events dressed like mascots he's nine you know what i'm saying like just calm down um but then also um this is a slightly uh this is not funny at all in any way shape form or fashion it's actually really devastating so yesterday reports started to come out about um the israeli military left palestinian infants to die so apparently there were five babies in the al nasser uh, pediatric hospital in the northern gaza gaza strip 
Uh, they raided it nearly three weeks ago, um, and there were babies, five babies, who were still hooked up to ventilation, intravenous tubes, all of that stuff. Um, and the families were told that the Red Cross was going to be evacuating those babies safely. That did not happen. Uh, those babies were then left alone, uh, essentially to starve for 17 days. And um, those doctors were just recently able to get back into that hospital uh, and the uh, decomposing bodies. I'm sorry to say it so bluntly, but that's the reality of it. The decomposing bodies of those babies were then found. Um, multiple reports coming out about this. There's video. I highly uh, I, be very careful about watching it. It's really devastating to watch. Um, a lot of them are um, like blurred out uh, or whatever. Um, so just be careful about which one you go and you watch. Um, I think Electronic Intifada has a story out about that. Multiple outlets are covering it and talking about it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's unimaginable. It is unimaginable. I'm a mother myself. I have two kids. I cannot even comprehend uh, the devastation that those families are dealing with right now. I mean, on just on top of everything else that they're dealing with, um, to have your a uh, newborn infant who is already medically uh, compromised, who is on a ventilator and you're uh, dealing with that situation, this war breaks out and then you are forced out of the area. You're told that the Red Cross is going to evacuate your baby and they don't and they just leave it to starve to death. That is, I mean, it's there There really just are no words. I have no words for that. So, um, but I did just want to bring attention to that because uh, there's a lot of reporting going on today in on social media uh, and in alternative media. Obviously, mainstream media will not touch the story. That's just the reality of it. So um, uh, just wanted to bring that up, call it to your attention, go check it out, um, share the story uh, if you feel so inclined. Um, but again, I hate to even say trigger warning because it's so cliche, but trigger warning, it's rough. It's a rough one. Um, and I I think, uh, I think I already mentioned electronic electronic Intifada has a great story on it. So um, I will tweet that out if you would like that to be easier for you to find. There's a whole host of information in there. So, okay. Don't forget, you can follow me over on Twitter at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There is a write-up for the guests of the day every day so that you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, you can shoot me an email over at mistywinston at tntradio.live. Um, if you have a guest idea, show idea, uh, you just want to rant about something, you have a question, you want to tell me I'm terrible, <laughs> that's fine too. I'm open to all of it. I will try to get back to you. Um, and also, uh, don't forget, we have the video streaming available, and there are many ways that you can listen to TNT Radio. You can stream us direct from your website on your uh from the website on your desktop which is again is tntradio.live uh tablet mobile device you can download the app from the app store uh google play or the apple app store and we even stream live also on video now on youtube rumble and odyssey so we've got you covered right here on tnt radio abroad or at home this is your news by staying silent we are part of the problem today's news talk radio tnt all right. The U.S. Department of Justice announced on Wednesday that an Indian national arrested earlier this year in the Czech Republic has been charged with plotting to assassinate Gurpatwan. I'm going to totally butcher this. Singh Panun. I hope that that's uh, kind of accurate, close, maybe, uh, uh, who is a Sikh activ activist whom India has designated as a terrorist. So here with this story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Uh, all right, my friend, thanks for bringing me a story that I was going to butcher a name on because that was awful. <laughs> I just wanted you to enjoy my pain. Uh, Sharon with that because quite frequently I find these stories and then I have to scramble to 
to study how to pronounce the names. I think you did pretty good. Uh, so here's the report. Um, the Indian government is already uh, or has already been under intensifying international scrutiny in the wake of the June murder of Canadian Sikh separatist and activist Hardeep Singh Najjar. Canada accused Indian intelligence of being behind the plot, sending relations between the two countries to a to a historical low point as each side has also removed diplomats. Now, a similar episode is playing out on United States soil. Federal prosecutors allege that an Indian government official was behind a failed assassination plot of a U.S. citizen, which was to take place in New York City. A 52-year-old Indian man identified as Nikhil Nick, Nikki, I forget, he's got a, a, a nickname, I think it's just Nick, uh, sorry. Uh, so Nikhil Gupta was arrested and has now been charged in the murder for hire plot. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York said in a news release that Gupta was, quote unquote, recruited by an Indian government employee to hire a hitman to kill a Sikh activist in New York City as part of a covert hit. This is like straight out of a crime novel or a movie. Um, this was announced uh, yesterday, Wednesday. Manhattan federal prosecutor Damian Will Williams said, quote, the defendant conspired from India to assassinate right here in New York City, a U.S. citizen of Indian origin who has publicly advocated for the establishment of a sovereign state for Sikhs, end quote. That's right. If you, you know, we worry about if we say something about our government that we're going to lose our Facebook accounts uh, in other countries, they'll whack you, apparently, uh, no matter where you are. <laughs> U.S. agents had apprehended Gupta, who was to receive one hundred thousand dollars for arranging the hit in the Czech Republic. That's where they caught him. But the Indian government official has not been directly named. An extradition is in process. The U.S. federal press release has underscored the Indian officials likely intelligence ties um they kind of downplayed it um so you, you can see where they're going with that um the u.s government has called this a dangerous plot to quote assassinate a u.s citizen on u.s soil end quote which originated overseas uh they further detailed in a statement that quote when a foreign government employee allegedly committed the brazen act of recruiting an international narcotics trafficker to murder a u.s citizen on u.s soil DEA was there to stop the plot, end quote. Ah, now there are some indicators that this plot may have had the knowledge and backing of the highest levels of the Narendra Modi government. The news release stated that, quote, Gupta directed the purported hitman to carry out the murder as soon as possible. But Gupta also specifically instructed the purported hitman not to commit the murder around the time of anticipated engagements scheduled to occur in the ensuing weeks be between high-level U.S. and Indian government officials, end quote. So they seem pretty keen to their timing about all of this. Um, now, India, let's see, has... Uh, Let's see. By the way, your, the name, that was the Sikh activist. They have, they have named the person who was... Uh, Allegedly to be assassinated, uh, he is a Sikh activist. Uh, his name was Gurap Twant Singh Panoon. 
uh, in response to this, India's foreign ministry has uh, reacted to these accusations, saying that it was, quote, contrary to Indian government's policy and a, quote, matter of concern, end quote. But judging by how um, what took place after the same similar accusations were made, the, the event that took place in June in Canada, I don't think this is going to bode well for international relations between our country and India, because it's not doing so well for Canada and India right now, Misty. But what do you think about all this bizarre espionage stuff taking place right here in our homeland? Well, I mean, <laughs> of course it is, right? Uh, it is. Listen, to be fair, I don't know a ton about this uh, whole storyline. I have read bits and pieces of it. This is one of those things that I know very little about. Um, but something that I did find interesting is that uh, when you sent me the story, I watched um, some news broadcasts, first of all, to try to figure out how to pronounce the name. <laughs> so I was just trying to uh, figure that out. Uh, but I was watching some news broadcasts to see what, uh, you know, the what what the conversation was surrounding this. And I was watching some Indian news broadcasts and they were saying uh, something that I always find super interesting. Uh, they were calling out the United States for their um, uh, for them being uh, clutching their pearls about this assassination attempt uh, taking place on a U.S. citizen on U.S. soil or, or uh, you know, was supposed to take place uh, uh, on U.S. soil. And uh, a couple different news broadcasts brought that up uh, where they said, you know, does the United States really have a leg to stand on when they very obviously uh, actively engage in this sort of activity? Activity and this kind of behavior. And I thought that that was super interesting because uh, we're seeing that happen on various different fronts. Obviously, with myself being, uh, you know, fully engaged in the Assange thing, we've seen that happen a couple different times where not just the United States, but the West in general. Obviously, there was the the one I always talk about was the president of Azerbaijan calling out the, the BBC uh, for Julian Assange. But um, uh, we're seeing that happen on various different fronts. And I think that that's just really indicative of um, the United States is very quickly losing it's um I don't even know. I think it's just perceived superiority. Like the United States has always perceived itself to be superior. I don't think that the, the rest of the world has always felt that way. Um, uh, but I think it's very, it's it's losing that illusion. I think that any illusion that there was that the United States is in any way superior uh, or has any moral high ground over any other country, I think is very quickly falling away. This veil is very quickly dropping. Um, but I mean, what do you think? What do you, I mean, this, it, it is, it's crazy. It's like a, it's like a spy movie. Like the, all, when I was reading these stories and listening to the, uh, uh the, the different broadcasts and things, it's like a bad spy movie. But what do you think? I mean, obviously, I think it's going to impact the, the relations between the United States. Uh, Canada is not having a very good time with this one. Uh, but what do you think? What do you think it's going to uh, lead to potentially? Nothing, to be honest yeah. with you. I, I really <laughs> I really don't. I think actually I would I would venture to guess that this sort of stuff happens all the time. Yeah. And it's just it's one of these rare instances where somebody got caught. It's actually being talked about in the news. Um, which does lead me to wonder why, because that's always the biggest thing is like, why are we even talking about it? There's usually a reason yeah. for that. So maybe maybe there's a plan because, I mean, it happened in Canada and then now here in the United States. I mean, like if it happens in one more place and it's tied to accusing the Indian government of being involved, like what are we doing? Are we trying to poke an Indian wasp hornet's nest now? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, the other thing is like you, you're detected a hint of hypocrisy in the Indian news reporting uh i think is actually false i think it's 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 not the same thing yes we are guilty of doing things like heck under trump we we bombed a dude using a drone right obama used to do that all the time right but these are mm -hmm. like supposedly military opponents targets all this stuff that are foreign citizens 
that we target in foreign lands. I don't know personally of any incidences where we have targeted American citizens living in another country because we didn't like what they said about the government. That would be like Joe Biden sending a hit squad after Tara Reid in Moscow, just as an well, example. So, yeah, not that they wouldn't if they could. They wouldn't. Yeah, she's, she's been facing severe that. harassment, <laughs> threats, all of that's why she's in Moscow, because she was facing that kind of harassment and those kinds of threats. And she felt like her life was in legitimate jeopardy. So, yeah, I think we've absolutely done that, though. I think that I mean, uh, uh, I know Julian Assange isn't an American citizen, but we're going we're persecuting him for uh, saying things about the United States government that we don't like. I mean, we've uh, assassinated um, uh, American citizens a couple different times. So I don't think it's anywhere uh, above us to do something like this. And I think that it's a, a justified um, question to be not that it's like this kind of a thing is justified, but I think it's just our standing in the world is being questioned. Uh, and I think rightfully so. So uh, thanks for bringing us a story. Adam, we will talk to you again tomorrow. As always, hang tight. We're going to be back right after this here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So, if you're travelling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. 1. Check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. 2. Think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighbourhood safer place. 3. It's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, my friends, I am thrilled to welcome our next guest, Sam Husseini. Uh, I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, he's one of my favorite journalists. I think he's one of the best working today. Um, he's an incredible independent journalist. He, You may recognize him from the press briefing rooms where he regularly calls out uh, the hypocrisy of the establishment right to their faces, which is some of my favorite stuff to watch. It's fantastic. Uh, he's done amazing reporting on everything from COVID to big tech to exposing the duopoly. And recently, he's been doing invaluable coverage on Israel-Palestine, including calling for the invocation of the Genocide Convention. We're going to discuss that and more today. Sam, thanks so much for being here. Great to be with you. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, of course. I'm uh, very excited to have you. And uh, so obviously I want to talk about you've uh, been kind of raising the flag to uh, have the genocide convention uh, uh, brought to the table. And uh, I want to just kind of start off by uh, kind of, you know, uh, building a little bit of a foundation there. There's been some hand wringing uh, over the word genocide being used, which I think is ridiculous. I think it's really not up for debate at this point. Um, uh, the intention has been spoken for decades. Uh, it's been made very clear that that's the goal here. So what do you think about the word of the uh, the use of the word genocide, do you think it is justified? And if so, why? Um, I think it is justified in part. People sometimes misunderstand what genocide means. Uh, you don't have to have a industrial system of you know complete extermination for it to be genocide. Uh, you have to have the mental intent to kill a group in whole or in part. Uh, this has been pointed out by legal scholars from Michael Ratner onwards for years. Um, and what's interesting about this situation is that the mental intent has been stated. That is, that's usually the hardest part to prove. Uh, but as uh, Craig Mokhyber, um, who headed up the uh, UN Office of the uh, UN Commission on Human Rights, uh, has noted that that you know, you know, that part intent has been made clear by officials from Israel. The you know. Uh, so-called defense minister said no more no water uh no electricity no food that's genocidal intent right there and there have been numerous other statements by other um uh, top israeli officials to that effect so that combined with their action actions combined with their capacity to do it um combined with their you know statements of forced displacement you know just simply saying you know you all have to clear out of here um, uh, the fact that Israel doesn't recognize the Geneva Conventions uh, as applying to Palestinian occupied territory. There's a whole host of violations of, uh, of international law, war crimes, crimes against humanity uh, that in total um, uh, lead to saying that this is genocide. And it, in fact, you know, um, it doesn't even have to be genocide to invoke the genocide convention, which we'll, we'll talk about, it has to be the threat of genocide. That is, the convention talks about not only punishing genocide, that the, the word prevention is actually in the title of, of the genocide convention. It's designed yeah. to prevent genocide. So if you think that there's a genocide going on, you're supposed to turn to this legal mechanism. Yes. And that's why I'm so glad that you're talking about it. And in fact, I started a, it's a massive thread on Twitter um, of all, not all, I keep saying all, it's not all, it's uh, as many as I could find, and I need to probably update it. But um, uh, many of the times where high level Israeli officials, their affiliates, their proxies, all of that have called I mean, they just say it out loud, Sam. That's why it's so it's so strange to me. It's so bizarre that this is even in question because they've never been shy about it. They've been speaking like this for decades. This is not something that's just that they've just been talking about since October 7th. This is something that they have been discussing for literal decades. I mean, the invention of the state of Israel is essentially a, a call for genocide. So um, it's it, that's always been very strange to me that this has been um, up for debate. But there's if anybody wants to go to my Twitter feed, there are. I mean, I would dozens at least, maybe hundreds um, of different examples of high level um, uh, Israeli officials just blatantly calling for the genocide of the Palestinian people. And again, not just since October 7th. This is something that goes back uh, literal decades. So um, and I think it's um, I wanted to I wanted to ask you, too, about, um, you know, there's uh, uh 
the PR war that's going on. I think that what's interesting about what's happening now is that, and I've been kind of talking about this uh, for some time now, it seems as if this time, this time feels different to me. I think that uh, social media has really opened up a door for people. It's opened up an opportunity for people on the ground in Gaza to kind of um, uh, uh, show the world what's happening to them in real time. And it feels like Israel is very uh, desperately losing the PR war, which is something we've never really seen before. And I think it kind of maybe pulls the veil back on on, uh, the effectiveness of their propaganda. I think that prior to uh, social media, they were really, it was really easy for them to keep uh, narrative control. It seems like they're definitely losing that battle this time. What do you think? Um, I, I, to some extent, but I mean, they're getting away with murder, literally. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to pay a price for it, but are they, they're, they are actually securing their core goals of driving Palestinians out of their homes um, ethnic cleansing campaign to further uh, consolidate their power, expand uh, its colonial state. And I should say, I mean, I don't want to, you know, dampen people's sense of some level of accomplishment here, because I think that a lot of good people have gotten a lot of good information out um, through big tech platforms and elsewhere. But this has been a repeated pattern. I mean, you know, I, I remember, um, old enough to remember uh, during the uh, Israeli invasion of Lebanon in 1982. Um, and then you had Ronald Reagan call up Menachem Begin uh, and saying, you know, you got to, you know, I mean, he called him up because, you know, Israel had, quote unquote, lost control of the narrative at that point. So there was mass revulsion, uh, even in sectors of the U.S. establishment media during Israel's um, invasion in 1982. Similarly, uh, with the Intifada in 1987 and, you know, sporadically since then, perhaps less and less, yeah. um, uh, they, they, they have uh, sort of lost the quote-unquote PR war. Um, uh, but, I mean, that certainly is the case now, but I think that they're they're assessing their, you know, call, you know cost-benefit analysis here, and they, they know that they're going to pay a price politically, but if they can manage it, and if they can, you know, they, they might have a longer game plan of like, OK, we'll let Netanyahu do all of these crimes and then we'll bring in another prime minister and that will revamp the Zionist enterprise and give it a human face. You know, th th there's all kinds of aspects to this. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and I think that Netanyahu is certainly facing a ton of uh, pressure and criticism from his own people. Even uh, they don't talk about it much, but I think it's definitely there. So we have to take a quick break and get some headlines. But hang tight. We're going to be right back here on TNT Radio. Have you heard the news? The news, the news. Now, TNT Radio News. This is the news. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Henry Kissinger died on Wednesday, November 29th at the age of 100. Dr. Kissinger was a conservative internationalist, one who favored engagement over neutrality, but who prioritized American interests in doing so. The humanitarian ceasefire between Israel and Hamas was extended early Thursday morning, shortly before the six-day truce was set to expire. In Ottawa, the Crown is expected to lay out its case for why evidence against one Freedom Convoy organizer should apply to the other in the criminal trial of two of the protest leaders. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live.
All right. We are here with Sam Husseini. We're talking about Israel-Palestine. Um, and I, I actually wanted to ask you, too, because you made a good point. Um, it's very likely that Israel has a longer term plan and that they have uh, kind of measured the 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 uh, the risk reward, um, you know, levels here on uh, the way that they're managing the situation. And I think that, um, you know, we're, we see that, obviously, I think that you I mean, you tweeted out earlier, Antony Blinken saying, quote, Israel, it has one of the most sophisticated militaries in the world. It is capable of neutralizing the threat posed by Hamas while minimizing harm to innocent men, women, and children, end quote. It's astonishing to me that he says that out loud with a straight face and that anybody takes him seriously because very clearly they are doing nothing to minimize harm to innocent men, women, and children, um, as has been made very clear. Um, so it seems to me, and as you pointed out in your tweet, um, uh, one of the ways that they're managing uh, the narrative here is by using Hamas as the excuse. And it's very clearly that that's what they're, it's very clear that that's what they're doing. Um, and how effective do you think that that has been so far, I think that um, we're, every time you mention Israel-Palestine, people will, and the first question I'm always asked is, but do you condemn Hamas? And it's so frustrating to me. Uh, but what do you think about that situation, about the uh, the way that they are using Hamas as the excuse to commit this genocide? Uh, yeah, I think it's transparent that they're, Hamas is the excuse and they're actually targeting the civilian population in order to drive them out of their homes, in order to expropriate more territory. Uh, in, in order to uh, dominate the region further. Um, so, you know, Lincoln's remark was almost an admission, I thought, of, you know, Israel could <laughs> go after Hamas um, uh, without killing so many civilians, so many civilians, um, um, but that they are not doing so. And that's a tacit admission that they are, in fact, killing civilians intentionally. Um, and there's been a lot of evidence for that. Uh, there have been investigative pieces. Uh, Gareth Porter talked about how Israel, of course, full well knew that the hospitals weren't used as bases. They actually knew where the Hamas bases were uh, and obscured that in order to have a better excuse to go after the hospitals. Um, uh, so th th there's been a whole litany of evidence um, to, to support that. I also think this whole construct of saying, do you condemn Hamas? is a way of obscuring the fact that, I mean, Hamas's political leaders have made a number of speeches um, during this crisis, um, laying out quite moderate positions, you know, calling for a two-state solution, uh, yeah. and some of that have been widely ignored. I've never seen a group talked about so much, but talked to so little, you know, saying, do you condemn yeah. Hamas is a way that the establishment uses to obscure the fact that nobody's hearing the actual positions of Hamas. They're not obviously, you know, not, not having interviews uh, with representatives from Hamas. Um, you know, you know, Israel just conducted negotiations with Hamas uh, in order to set up the truce, and yet somehow no, you know, major media outlets um, can talk to them. Their web page is down. I assume it's under attack, um, and their speeches are completely ignored. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Uh, we're not really seeing any conversation about exactly what Hamas is asking for. Obviously, there are pockets of independent media uh, where people are, uh, you know, covering it a little bit. But I even in independent media, I haven't seen a ton of it. And I think that that's uh, really unfortunate because you're right. I mean, it is. I mean, uh, we'll get attacked for saying it, but you're absolutely right. They have had very moderate positions. And in fact, in uh, the release of the uh, uh, hostages, I think that that was a very uh, moderate position. There's thousands of people 
people being held in indefinite detention in Israeli uh, uh, prisons, uh, Palestinian people who have been held without trial, uh, children, hundreds of children are essentially kidnapped every single year. Not to say that I think that, you know, uh, taking hostages, there's that whole debate that you can have. Is it justified? Oh, I mean, I think war sucks, period. I think that any kind of situation like this where innocent civilians, um, you know, get pulled into the mix is unbelievably unfortunate. It's a horrible situation. There's just no way around it. Um, but you're right. I think that uh, more people should be interested in exactly what Hamas is looking for, uh, what the goal here is. Um, so let's talk a little bit about I the do, genocide. Oh, go ahead, please. Yeah, I should just clarify one thing. I think that there was a lot of attention paid to one, you know, kind of fire breathing speech that, a, yeah. that one official put out. Um, I'm not even, you know, sure that he's currently has a leadership position in Hamas, but I was referring to Henania, who is the political head of Hamas, who's in Qatar, who has made at least two speeches uh, that have been totally ignored. And I think that that's, you know, just an extraordinary thing. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's kind of insane that nobody's even asking the questions or, uh, you know, speaking to the head guy. Um, and it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's also interesting. I mean, and I don't know how much stock you put in this, but I've had uh, multiple conversations with people. Um, you know, it's no secret that Israel itself has supported, funded um, uh, all of that. Uh, they, I mean, they've been a party to the creation of Hamas and the supporting and funding of Hamas for years now. Um, and it's also very strange to me that uh, Israel, this great, sophisticated military, I mean, easily Gaza is one of the most surveilled uh, locations on planet Earth. And yet somehow Israel didn't know that this attack was coming. I, I feel like that's kind of far-fetched. That's not a question that a lot of people are asking. I think that that's weird um, that they have this very sophisticated surveillance network. They have this incredibly sophisticated military. And somehow, um, you know, these Hamas resistance fighters were able to breach walls in numerous different locations and, uh, you know, and to train for it too. And the fact that Israel didn't know it was coming, I don't know. That seems a little far-fetched to me. What do you think about that? I think that, that those are totally legitimate questions uh, about, you know, what was there, uh, you know, I, I think that this thing is a dream come true for Netanyahu that he mm -hmm. wanted something like this. I think that much is clear. There are numerous indications that Israel had warning uh, from Egyptian intelligence. Um, uh, some some of the um, uh, uh, the captives that were released in, made indications that there was warning that, that the Israeli military didn't do anything. Um, uh, Ilan Pape said that there were there were numerous warnings, and and actually there was a Hamas rally at the beginning of this year, um, you know, saying we're going to carry out an operation against Israel, um, uh, and a, a big part of that is the question of the Palestinian captives that Israel is holding. You know, so many people without charge, without trial, uh, for so long. Uh, this is a very big unifying factor among the Palestinians, and I think was one of the major motivations for this. It might be completely counterproductive because Israel's taking more um, yeah. you know, uh, captives that then it's releasing, but at least the world is seeing it. You know, they're not completely suffering in total silence in perpetuity. 
Yeah. And that's a, that's a great point as well. I think that so many people have, I I just, I wonder, there's so many people criticizing the way that Hamas is handling the situation. And it's very easy from, you know, the comfort of your living room to criticize. I'm not saying that what Hamas is doing is good or right or justified. I don't know. I don't live in Gaza, but I can tell you that just from knowing what I know about the situation in Gaza, if it were me, and I was living there and I was living under those conditions and I was being occupied. Uh, my access to food was heavily restricted. My access to water, electricity, my kids were being shot at. I'd fight back too. There's no question about it, Sam. And I don't feel at all uncomfortable saying that. I think it's people need to put themselves in uh, at least attempt uh, some level of empathy and put themselves in the shoes of Gazans and wonder how you would handle that situation. Um, I don't think that there is a good way to handle that situation. I just think that that is an impossible possible uh, uh, place to be put in. It's you're, I mean, it's a rock and a hard place. And I just, it's very easy for people to sit on the, co- in the comfort of their own home and criticize what Hamas is doing. Again, not saying it's justified or not that I condone it, but I mean, I, I don't think that you are in any position uh, when you live uh, in the United States, certainly to be criticizing what they're doing. So we've just taken another quick break. Hang tight. We're going to be right back here on TNT radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. While the fiery images of mostly peaceful protests coming out of central Dublin over the weekend were disturbing, and although no one condones arson, property damage, and violence against police, it was good to see the Irish finally get their Irish up and direct their ire where it properly belongs, against their own government, which has been selling out the Irish people for decades now. What triggered the upheaval? The stabbing of a young woman and two little children, including a five-year-old girl who is still in hospital with life-threatening injuries, by a Muslim maniac who was, you guessed it, known to police. The Garda disarmed the man just last month after finding him with an illegal knife. They knew he was a problem and they did nothing to stop these attacks. Ireland is actively promoting its own destruction. It is committing suicide in exactly the same way the United Kingdom committed social suicide. The number one name for new boys in Galway last year, Mohammed for the first time ever. Ireland needs to get a hold of the fact that the enemy is within the gates and their own government are the ones that have opened the doors. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. I had a a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we are here joined by Sam Husseini. We're talking about Israel-Palestine. And you mentioned something uh, that I think we need to really kind of drive home, and that is uh, that Netanyahu um, certainly wanted something like this to happen. I think that obviously, I mean, he's been discussing it for uh, some time now, but we also need to mention that he was under heavy scrutiny for insane amounts of corruption. And we all know that when a president or prime minister or leader of a country is struggling, one of the first things that they look to, one of the first tickets out of that impossible situation is a war. It's, uh, It's crazy how well that 
uh, work. So I just want to make sure that we uh, uh, make that clear that Netanyahu is certainly, this is certainly a, a win for him either way, really. Um, but I do think he is kind of at risk here too, uh, uh, as uh, the pressure mounts on him from his own uh, his own people, for sure. So, okay, I want to make sure that we can talk about the, gen uh, the genocide convention. This is something that you've been calling for. Uh, so first, explain what that is. Who can uh, call for this? Uh, just tell people what 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 all uh, what all this entails um this is a treaty uh that virtually every country has signed on to and ratified including israel um and any other signer of the treaty can invoke it and can effectively say you're guilty of genocide and they can invoke an article in the treaty that takes it to the world court now, some countries actually have uh, a reservation on the treaty. The U.S. has a reservation on the treaty that um, would that, that says we don't accept Article 9, which is the article that would take it to the World Court, the International uh, Court of Justice. Israel does not have this reservation. This makes it vulnerable to this being used. A lot of countries have gone to the International Criminal Court, a different body. But the International Criminal Court has just gone after a bunch of African uh, leaders, and they've gone after Putin at the U.S.'s behest. Um, the U.S. never signed the International Criminal Court, nor has Israel, um, but it's effectively become a tool of um, U.S. policy. Um, and the prosecutor of it, uh, you know, did a photo op in front of the Rafat uh, uh, border crossing and all of these countries, including Colombia and Algeria and South Africa and others, have sent petitions to the International Criminal Court to do something. But they, you know, that just puts it all in the hands of this British barrister, uh, Khan, and he can just simply drag his heels and not do anything as prior prosecutors for the International Criminal Court have done for years. International lawyers have said, Hold on here. The International Criminal Court looks like it's a hoax uh, because it is not prosecuting um, U.S. allies. And in particular, it is not prosecuted and has not prosecuted Israel in spite of its numerous, um, you know, total, you know, you know, bludgeoning of, of Gaza over and over again. So that could well be a dead end. The International Criminal Court is a way around that. Um, the International Criminal uh, the, the, I'm sorry, the International Court of Justice, the World Court, is a way around that. Um, now, uh, the World Court cannot go after individuals like the ICC can, but it can go after countries. And any country, say South Africa, uh, say Colombia, uh, say Bolivia, can invoke the uh, genocide convention at the world court and in an emergency procedure the world court could very swiftly um, find that a genocide is taking place and that israel is guilty of a genocide um uh that would put enormous pressure on the icc to do something because you have a world court opinion saying that israel has conducted a genocide that means individuals in Israel have conducted this genocide and that therefore they should be prosecuted. It would completely isolate the U.S. and um, Israel. I think one of Blinken's remarks today was, um, 
you know, uh, we, we support Israel, but the political international costs are mounting. Um, and that could be key, exactly. The goal is to make the political international costs as high as possible for the U.S. and Israeli governments so that they are forced to back off here. Um, yeah. um, so, you know, that's that that's the general strategy of this. And also the world court has ruled in favor of Palestine in the past. Um, they have a pending case that the U.S. actually just tried to get Abbas to drop about the illegality of the occupation as a whole. Um, and years ago, they did a case on the illegality of the wall um, that Israel uh, built. And it was a fairly good case, but it was an advisory opinion. What I'm talking about would be a step up from that would be an emergency process to finding, um, you know, guilt of genocide. And, and I think would be the smartest legal move now. And it's something that any country can do. People can urge whatever country has been critical of Israel um, uh, to, to do this, whether it's, you know, Turkey or Iran or Venezuela or, um, uh, uh, as I said, Chile, uh, Colombia, uh, Belize, uh, Cuba, literally virtually any country um, could, could exercise this. Yeah. And there have been numerous countries who have been bold enough to speak out against what Israel is doing. It's just a matter of um, putting enough pressure on those governments. And that's you have an article up at your Substack, So everybody, please go check this out, because uh, Sam explains all of this in great detail. But then at the end, he also gives um, which I love as an activist. I love when people give me things to do. That's uh, anything actionable is uh, very helpful. Um, so at the end of this article, you uh, mentioned various different ways that people can actually um, do something you can physically do something to uh, to pressure um, some of these governments. Obviously, we need to continue to pressure the United States and Israel, especially as an American. That's kind of my job as an American is to put pressure on my own government to stop funding this thing as we've been funding Israel uh, to the tune of nearly $4 billion a year for a very long time. Um, but there are uh, uh, different uh, ways that you can contact. Um, there's emails. There's all of that stuff in this article. So it's a really easy way. Again, it's, it's so simple just to send an email at how effective is it if it's just one person probably not much but if you know hundreds of thousands of us around the globe uh pr put pressure on our governments um and in particular if you happen to live in a country that has been vocally critical of israel uh put that pressure on um uh, they, they're already speaking out against it so we just need to edge them along even further to actually you know take some action here so um uh, do, do you think how likely do you think this is i feel like up until this point obviously the united states has uh been uh, a little untouchable. <laughs> you know what I mean? People are afraid to go up against the, the the United States empire, but I feel like that facade is crumbling away. Do you think that we're starting to see uh, the rest of the world grow a little bolder in their opposition to, uh, uh, to the United States and then uh, by proxy Israel? Yeah, I think that's, that's the hope. I think that uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm fairly sure. I don't know, but I'm fairly sure that the United States government has effectively threatened other countries, um, from doing this, uh, they've certainly threatened the, the, you know, provisional government of Palestine from exercising their legal rights. Um, but what's the world going to do? Live in perpetual fear um, uh, of, about making the U.S. government angry at it? I think that this is a pivotal moment um, where uh, you know nations of the world 
uh, that want to assert uh, the views of their public as well as their treaty obligations. Many of these countries have said that it's a genocide. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's genocide, it's kind of your obligation <laughs> to yeah. to move on the treaty that is there to punish as well as to prevent genocide. It's a unique opportunity for any country to step up. Now, you know, it is quite likely that, you know, I mean, it would be great if multiple countries stepped up. That, that yes. is, if you had half a dozen countries do this simultaneously, and then it becomes harder for the U.S. to single out any one of them. Or, you know, one country could step forward and others could join it uh, so that, you know, they've got each other's back and so on. So I think that defensive measures and thought needs to be given to the fact that they will probably get targeted in some way by the U.S. and or Israel. Patrick Bond, an activist and great analyst from South Africa, had an interesting piece um, about the South African government, and the dynamics there. And th- there's an Israel lobby in South Africa. You know, you, we think about the Israel lobby just being in the United States. It's not just in the U.S. So that's a factor that needs to be overcome in various circles as well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a unique opportunity in terms of global dynamics to shift things in a very tangible way. Yeah. And I, you're, yes, I would love to see multiple countries do it. I think that that's uh, uh, easily the safest bet for uh, the people involved. I think that, you know, there's strength in numbers, there's kind of safety in numbers. And I think if there were, uh, you know, more than one, or as you said, if one is bold enough to uh, to step on it first and then others join in, I think. And I think that if somebody were bold enough to do it, I think it, we, it would snowball very quickly, in my opinion. I think that there, as we said, there's numerous country, countries who have spoken out vocally um, uh, against what Israel is doing. And so I think once that initial step is taken, I think we would see more people uh, courageously uh, jump on board as well. And I think that that's uh, really kind of the best case scenario. So, um, uh, and I mean, we know that the United States doesn't even recognize the ICC. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we have no, uh, we have no interest in being held accountable for our own actions. So I think that this, this is another way that people can uh, hold Israel to account. And I think that that's um, uh, certainly something that we should all be uh, pressuring our governments to do. I think it's so what's so weird about this, Sam, is that, um, you know, there's horrendous things happen all around the uh, globe all the time, right? Yemen, Syria, there's horrific stuff happening all over the place. What's weird about this one is that it is happening. um, I mean, center stage, you can watch it happening. You can watch it taking place. You can watch the bombs being dropped. You can watch the devastation as it happens. I mean, we now have that video, as I spoke about at the beginning of the show, of the uh, five babies who were found um, still hooked up to their ventilators who were just abandoned in a hospital. Um, And everybody's watching this play out. And it's very strange that people, that there isn't more action uh, against this thing. What do you make of that? I feel like that's, it's a little depressing to me. It is depressing. Um, and I know a lot of friends who've just sort of like, you know, become totally depressed over it. Um, I, I've sort of, you know, escaped from that because I've, you know, tried to take concrete actions in whatever ways I can. And I think that that's, you know, kind of the healthiest approach. Um, and the babies, as I understand it, the, the, the parents and doctors left under the stipulation, the, the, the Red Cross told them that they would evacuate the babies um, and then Israel prohibited the Red Cross from doing so. And that's what yeah. happened to them. So that's, again, on Israel and its hampering of uh, relief and other efforts. Um, so I, I, I think it is, you know, completely eerie, but it's not the first time. You know, I mean, I remember Iqbal Ahmed, the old 
Pakistani um, scholar talking about how eerie it was when Israel was bombing Lebanon again in the 1980s, and that this was basically the first time that live on TV, you're watching, you know, a capital city being bombed. Um, And and then that pattern would get repeated with, you know, Iraq and um, so on and so forth. Um, uh, I, I think this is somewhat unique in terms of, you know, I mean, the Yemen war, has been horrible and gruesome, but it's largely been kept out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, tremendous human cost, but it's not, you know, the extinguishing of a nation, uh, you know, per se. Um, it is, you know, you know, crimes against humanity and so on. Um, but, you know, I think in this case, it, it is, you know, the concerted effort, a hundred year campaign by Zionist forces to completely extinguish a nation. And it's a major step in that trajectory. Yeah. And it is just, I'm like you though. I, um, the stuff really, especially I think um, as a mother watching the kids that have been suffering, the thousands of kids who have been killed, I can't stop thinking about the thousands of kids who were buried under rubble. Um, But I'm like you, I, I, when stuff like that gets to me, I, I have to do something. I have to do something. I can't, I can't just like sit and watch as things unfold and I can't just kind of turn my head away from it. So um, uh, I highly recommend to anybody who's feeling that way to um, take action however you can, whether it's attending a protest, sending emails, making phone calls, tweeting about it, sharing stories, whatever it is, uh, share Sam's work. Sam has been doing incredible work. Um, And as I preach about all the time on this show, we need to support independent journalists. We need them so much. (laughs) We need them so much right now, more than ever. uh, We've seen the co-optation of mainstream media. I say, all the time. I think mainstream media is one of the greatest threats that we face at this point. Uh, They are the ones that lie us into all of these situations and uh, manufacture consent for all of the atrocities that the United States is involved in. So um, support Sam, support his work, check out his Substack. As always, you can find links to all of his stuff uh, over on my Substack. So go check it out, follow, subscribe, share. Um, I'm sure Sam Sam is heavily shadow banned. Um, There's no question about it. So uh, sharing that kind of stuff really helps algorithmically, helps get his work in front of other people. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just, it's, it's honestly, it, I feel like it's our, it sounds so cheesy, but it's our duty, right? It's our duty. Uh, I can't sit by and watch other human beings be brutalized in this way and and do nothing. So, um, uh, I know it feels overwhelming, especially if you're just, you know, I'm just one person. What can I do? I hear that all the time. Um, one person might not make a difference, but if one person is multiplied by millions of people around the globe, that makes an impact. So um, check out this article that I told you guys about um, on Sam Substack. There is uh, a whole host of actionable things that you can do at the end of the article, um, uh, 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 emails that you can shoot emails to for all of the different countries um, uh, to the uh, to invoke the uh, genocide convention, all of that stuff. So please go check it out. Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. You're welcome back anytime. Um, I really uh, appreciate your work. I'm a huge fan. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and I'll be back tomorrow with another show for you. As Julian Assange says, learn challenge act now and don't go anywhere timothy shays right after this on tnt radio